0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Tonight's class is titled The Complete and Incomplete Sadiq. And we are beginning Chapter 10 of Tanya. We learn this week in Parsha's and we learn the curses that will happen, God forbid, if we as a Jewish people are not strong in our faith. Many, unfortunately, many curses. And Reb Dover, the second Rebbe, he was in Shul one Shabbos when there was a different Baal Koray, a different reader of the Torah. The normal reader, the normal uh, person who would read the Torah was his very own father, Reb Shner Zaman of Liadi, author of the Tanya and all of a sudden this one week Parsha's Kisavo, the, the Ribdover was Nayepar Mitzvah and he heard he heard the curses from someone else and he got deathly sick very sick he got so sick that a few weeks later by Yom Kippur the doctors were evaluating if he could fast for Yom Kippur and His friends came and they asked him, they said, every every year this portion is read. It's always been the same portion. Parsis Kisavo has 98 curses in it. You've heard it every year, what happened? And he shared, he said, every year I heard it. But when my father reads it, it's not curses. In everything in life, we could look at the good dimension or the bad dimension. And it's up to us how we're going to perceive it. And one of the tasks, as we learn Kabbalah, as we learn Chassidus, is that we recognize the good that exists within everything and how we really should be able to take in and accept whatever whatever happens. So now we're ready to begin discussing the Tzaddik. And what is so awesome about beginning chapter 10? What's so awesome is that for the first time, we return to chapter 1 and start answering our initial questions. In chapter 1, we started off mentioning the five different types of personalities. We mentioned the tzaddik v'toyevle, the tzaddik v'radle, we mentioned the righteous man that's good for him, the righteous man the righteous man that uh, has some bad with him, we mentioned the Bainiini, the intermediate, the rush of a toivlei, the rush of a rally. we mentioned the wicked man that has good for him, the wicked man that has bad for him. Five different personalities, and we wanted to know about these five personalities. For example, the Gemara shares that there was a discussion about the Baini, the intermediate. And to quote from chapter 1. Chapter 1, if you could look at page number 2 in your Tanya. Oh, on. Page number 2 in your Tanya, bottom of the left column. It's a quote, four lines from the bottom. Again, we're on chapter 1, which is on page number 2. Left column, four lines from the bottom. In the Gemara end of chapter 9 of Barachot, it is stated... That the righteous are judged by their good nature. The wicked by their evil nature. While the intermediate personality is judged by both. His good and his bad and so on. Comes along, Rabba, one of the foremost leaders of, of Judaism. One of the authors. One of the authors of the Talmud. And he says, I, for example, am a the I... Rabba, I'm one of these intermediates. So his contemporary Abaye tells him, he says, one second, if you, the leader of Judaism, is a bainani, mm-hmm. master, you do not make it possible for anyone to live. If you are an intermediate, and everyone else is under every, you, then everyone else is wicked. Period. Boom. Because everyone is wicked. It's not fair, Abaye tells Rava, And so in chapter 1, We set the stage and we we had proven that a righteous man, the ultimate definition of a righteous man and the ultimate definition of a wicked man is not what you do. It's who you are. A righteous man is someone that has no evil in his heart. A wicked man is someone who unfortunately the evil has taken him over. That was a stage set in chapter 1. And we said this that a tzaddik is someone who has 51% good deeds. That's only regarding Yom Kippur. It's only regarding judgment. This, that a wicked man, is someone who has 49% good deeds. That's only regarding Yom Kippur. And this, that a, the intermediate, someone has 50-50 is called the, an intermediate. Again, that's only regarding Yom Kippur. The true definition of a tzaddik is someone who only has good in his heart. The true definition of a rush is someone who who is is led by the bad in his heart, and the intermediate has a war. And now we look in chapter 10. What is the difference between the complete and incomplete tzaddik? And we could look at the example of moldy bread and excrement. Moldy bread is, is edible. If someone is in a dire circumstance, they're going to eat moldy bread.
1: Huh.
0: Excrement, you're not going to get close to, period. No matter what happens. And that is, that is the difference between a, the complete and incomplete tzaddik. The complete tzaddik <laughs> for nothing.
1: Can you come up with a better analogy? Than-
0: the complete tzaddik, for nothing would he get connected to bad, even if it's a dire circumstance. The incomplete tzaddik, bad is like moldy bread. He keeps far away from it, but it's still edible. The complete tzaddik is completely removed from evil. Nothing will ever attract him. But again, the incomplete tzaddik, it's the moldy bread. If if uh, if he's in a dire need, he'll, he'll take it. Let's see this inside. Any questions? Chapter, chapter 10, page 40. Ah, we're going to learn a really cool thing, and I'll see if anyone could catch it. Here it goes. Chap, chapter 10, page 40. Behold... When a person fortifies his divine soul and wages war against his animal soul, so there's now a fight. You've taken the godly soul and you're boom, 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 you're fighting the animalistic soul. To such an extent that he expels and eradicates its evil. Evil is gone from the animalistic soul as we discussed. The animalistic soul is not evil. The animalistic soul is is an energy and we need to remove the evil from it so when the godly soul has fought the evil the animalistic soul and eradicated the evil from the left part and it's it is possible how do I know? because it's written it's written and you shall root out the evil from within you Uvi artah becho, Deuteronomy 21.21 21. literally translated the Pesach is telling us that if someone is deserving of the be- death penalty, then you have to kill them. The pasuk tells us that you shall root out the evil from within you. Sometimes there are people that should not remain alive. But in a deeper sense, the, the verse is telling us that within each and every one of us, we need to remove the evil that, that exists within us. So when you've got rid of the evil. Yet the evil is not actually converted to goodness. What does that mean? That means there's no active evil within you. But the evil that did exist has not been transformed into good. What? Well, Well, we're going to talk a lot about it. It's actually negative. Why? He is called incompletely righteous. or a a righteous man who suffers. So if you have no active evil within you, but the evil has not been transformed, then you're the incomplete tzaddik. Why? That is to say, the fact that you have not transformed the evil, that is to say there still lingers in him a fragment of wickedness in the left part. Remember, the right part of the heart is where the godly soul is, and the left part is the animalistic soul. And the fact that the evil has not been transformed means that a, a, a fragment still lingers there, except that it is subjugate, subjugated and nullified by the good. The good has overpowered it because of the former's minuteness. This is something the Torah tells us numerous places that if you have so much good or bad, either way, but if there's a majority, the majority not only does it outweigh, but it could completely negate other items within there. Let me give you a few examples. The famous example is regarding keeping kosher. If something non-kosher fell into a pot, so there's many different questions that need to be asked. But as a whole, if there are 60 times the non-kosher item of kosher food, so if you have a tiny drop of meat that fell into your pot, but within your pot you had 60 times that amount of food, and you can't find the non-kosher, here's the key part, because if you could find it, you should take it out, you can. not So then, many circumstances will say that the non-kosher is non-existent. It's nullified. I'll give you another example. The Torah says you're not allowed to marry an Egyptian. No, Today? What? You're not allowed to marry an Egyptian for three generations. Someone from Egypt. Today, for whatever reason, it's not practiced. Why? Well, what happened was that in the times of the first temple, Sanchairaf came and he conquered. We know, we're, we're familiar, he conquered the ten tribes, the, the, the ten lost tribes. But one of the things is at the time, he conquered most of the, the known world at the time, and he resettled everyone. So the people in Egypt didn't live in Egypt, he moved them. Now, of course, there were some people remaining in Egypt, but the Egyptians, per se, were moved to another place. So therefore, when the majority of people now in Egypt are from a different country, we don't consider them anymore, even those few that stayed Egyptians. And this goes on. So as long as you have the majority is good, then the minute fraction of evil is non-existent. So we're saying here that if the evil was not transformed to good, so the incomplete tzaddik, he will not sin and he has no passion to sin because the evil is nullified, but it is still there. So by the incomplete tzaddik, the evil is still there. Hence, because the evil is nullified, he imagines he has driven it out and it has quite and it is it has disappeared in truth however had all the evil in him entirely departed and disappeared this is for you Lottie. it would have been converted into actual goodness this is the key the evil it's impossible to leave it's never going to fully leave what will happen is it's going to be transformed to good and if it has not been transformed to good, that means that energy is still within you, but it's nullified. It's a very key point here.
1: So how do you how do you transform the evil to good?
0: And how
2: long does it take?
1: Yeah, do you have through through
0: mitzvah when you talk about actual actual deeds? How do you transform the evil to good? In chapter nine. We spoke about numerous levels of love for Hashem. This ultimate passion and love, for, and love for Hashem. When your love of Hashem is at the highest level, so then what it's going to do is it's going to drag the evil with it and make it love Hashem also. It's going to drag that energy with it. So long as you have not done that, that means the evil still lingers within you, but it is not active. Now, it's so a so fri... vote doing mitzvot enhances... What is doing mitzvot...
1: One of the main reasons is to enhance or, or generate your love of Hashem, right?
0: We don't. We do mitzvot to generate love. We do mitzvot because Hashem said we need to do mitzvot. Yeah,
1: but it draws us closer to
0: Hashem. It connects us, yeah. But it generates love, perhaps in a sense. But just doing a mitzvah itself does not create the ultimate love.
1: Is the, uh, the one who has still a, a little particle of wickedness in him, does uh, he obey many by definition?
0: The one that has wickedness within him but it is not active is a Tzadik. It's a righteous man. Because the wickedness has, is, is not active. He doesn't think evil. He doesn't talk evil. He doesn't do evil. Surprise, surprise. Just so we're clear for everyone here. There are very few tzaddikim, but we'll talk later on. The ultimate, the ultimate level, the complete tzaddik, you can count them on your finger in every generation. We're going to learn soon. The incomplete tzaddik, the incomplete tzaddik is someone who doesn't even have an evil thought. It doesn't even come up in his mind to do something negative. And this is something that I could only talk for myself. I, no, I'm certainly not holding there. And, and, and I just share this because oftentimes we, we refer, we say, oh, this man is a tzaddik. What we perceive as a tzaddik and what really is a tzaddik are completely different. When you look at someone and they're doing the right thing, you should respect them as a tzaddik. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is that doesn't mean that they're not challenged with evil thoughts. They're not challenged with, at times, speaking something inappropriately. Again, I'm sharing this because when we're going to talk about the intermediary, the Bainani, and that is what we're all relative, what we're all able to be, we need to know that, as Rabbi Shneer Zahm is going to say in Tanya, halavai, if only we will be the intermediary. Let's not get lost trying to be the tzadik. if you can, fantastic. But know that just to be the intermediary itself, Is a very high level. So we'll get back to we'll get back to that throughout the next few chapters. But,
2: but there are they're only supposed to be thirty six truths. Well,
0: we're going to get to it momentarily. Yes, yes you
2: know, I never heard of an incomplete righteousness and a righteousness. i never heard
0: of it. Tracte
2: prachot. So is it not true that a benani who managed to purge himself of all consideration of evil is at a higher level than a tzaddik?
0: That is, that is a true point. We'll get to that at another point. Thank you. At another part. Thank you. So back to what I wanted to share is, and that is, let's look at the first word of chapter 10. Amazing words. Behold, when a person fortifies his divine soul and wages war against his animal soul. Comes along everyone tonight in the class and they ask a question. They say, I don't understand. Who is the person? You have a divine soul. You have have an animalistic soul. So what does it mean in Tanya when we say when the person makes the godly soul overpower the animal soul? There only are two souls. Who's this person here? It's not like there's Dr. Yosef and he has a godly soul and he has a animalistic soul. No. There's Dr. Yosef. When you look at him, he is either the godly soul, not he is either. Dr. Yosef is only the godly soul. But everyone, (laughs) other people, there's no there's no person. The person is either god his either his godly soul is controlling him or his animalistic soul. And if the animalistic soul is winning, that means the animalistic soul has fought who's this person. And here we learn about a third soul. A third soul that is kind of a secret, it's not really discussed but there is something called the nefesh hasichlis, the intellectual soul. This is a soul that is an intermediary, basically, between the godly soul and animalistic soul. So if you're able to take your intellectual soul, and with it, that doesn't mean the godly soul and animalistic soul both have their own set of intellect. But you have this middle ground. And this middle ground is the one supporting either side. So now, we establish established that the, in, the incomplete Sadik is someone who has no evil thoughts, he, is, he doesn't talk evil, he doesn't do evil, and, when, and he doesn't even know there's evil in him. The evil is subjugated to the good. Nonetheless, there is evil. How do we know? because so long as evil has not been transformed to good, the evil is still there. So long as evil has not been transformed to good, the evil is still there. Just like going back to example, let's go to the example of kosher food. If non-kosher food fell into this pot, there is non- kosher food in this pot. When we say that there's 60 percent, there's 60 times more, that doesn't mean that the non-kosher food became kosher. The non-kosher food is still non-kosher. But we just say it's not there. We we, we say you don't taste it. It's nullified. nullified, But it still exists. So, so long as the eel has not been transformed to good, it is still there. It's just not active. Just like the non-kosher piece of meat inside of the pot. And we're going to better understand this by looking at the complete tzaddik. Let's now see the complete tzaddik. And by us understanding the complete tzaddik, we'll have a better picture of the incomplete tzaddik. The explanation of the matter. What, what does it mean? That so long as the evil has not been transformed to good, it still lingers. Is that a completely righteous man, the tzaddik gamor, in whom the evil has been converted to goodness, and who's consequently called a righteous man who prospers. We learn in chapter one that at tzaddik Gamur, the, the complete tzaddik, is called a righteous man who prospers. What does that mean? That means he has no bad. There's no bad, there's no bad within him. Has completely divested himself of the filthy garments of evil. The, the tzaddik Gamur has completely removed. All filth. That is to say, how did he accomplish this to remove all filth? Because he utterly despises the pleasures of this world. He says, I have, not only I have no interest, I hate pleasures of this world. Finding no enjoyment in human pleasures, of merrily gratifying the physical appetites. And I think this is an important point. We're not saying. We're not saying that the tzaddik has no pleasure. We're saying that the tzaddik, doesn't, the tzaddik actually hates physical pleasure just to satisfy and gratify your appetite. Mm. Instead of seeking the service of God. Again, the tzaddik may have, not that the tzaddik may have, he will have pleasure. But what he, what he's going to go ahead and he'll eat normal, appropriate food. But he's doing that with the, not because he wants to have fun. He's doing that to serve Hashem. And why does the tzaddik come, or why does the complete tzaddik not like? Why is he not interested? Why does he not want to gratify, his, to satisfy his appetite in as much as they are derived from and originate in the klipa and sitrachara? We spoke earlier in chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, in 6, seven, 8, how items that we're doing to gratify ourselves come from klipa. They're that external shell surrounding good. They come from sitra achara from the other side. And for whatever is of the sitra achara is hated by the tzaddikam or by, by the perfectly righteous man with an absolute hatred. These are very strong words. In Judaism in general, we keep away from the word hatred. But for the tzaddik, something that is against Hashem, he truly hates. Why? By reason of his great love of God. He loves Hashem so much, and of his holiness, with profuse affection and delight, and superlative devotion, as is stated above. The tzaddik loves Hashem so much, that that love automatically causes him to hate anything against Hashem. For they are antithetical one to the other. Very important point of a year. You cannot love your spouse and love someone who hates them. That is impossible. If you cannot love your spouse, a husband cannot love his wife, truly love her, and truly love someone who hates her. Hmm. You could love your wife not so much. Like you, you love her but, and then also lo- love someone else who hates her. But that's a sad relationship. If you truly love your spouse, then your love for her won't allow you to love someone else who hates her. That They don't work together.
3: So
2: you're saying if somebody hates her, your spouse, you, you can't love that person.
0: No, I didn't say that. Th- this is not a Torah law. This is a reality check. You're if giving you, an
3: analogy,
0: right? I'm giving an analogy. Oh, analogy. Right? Okay. I'm saying
3: I'm not, if. <laughs> and
0: let, let me share with you a story. Famous story, I've shared it before, but, but the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa. How many people are familiar with the story of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa? Times of the Second Temple, and unfortunately, Yankel had a friend named Kamsa. He had an enemy named Bar Kamsa. And he was making a wedding. And he wanted to invite who? He wanted to invite Kamsa. And he sent his messenger to go and invite Kamsa. And instead the messenger invited Bar Kamsa. Okay, Bar Kamsa, the enemy of this man, got an invitation. He thought it's a fair invitation. And he shows up to the wedding. He comes to the wedding and his enemy sees him there. He kicks him out. He says, look, don't... Barakanta says, look, uh, don't embarrass me. I'll pay you for my meal. Let me stay. No, get out. He says, look, I'm so embarrassed. I know everyone here, all my friends. I'll pay for my full table. No, he said, I'll pay for half of the wedding. The uncle takes him and literally drags him out. The man was so upset at what happened. He went and informed the Roman government that unfortunately, because of this story, the Second Temple was destroyed. Millions of people were murdered because of this story.
1: And involved bringing a
0: sacrifice. But the commentators ask a simple question. They said, why did Bar Kamsa show up? He should have known that there was a mistake. Why did he show up? He, he, he was also looking for trouble. What does Bar mean in Aramaic? Son. son. Kamsa was the father. He was a friend. Bar Kamsa was Kamsa's son. And the Marsha tells us, he says, Bar Kamsa, the enemy, truly believed that he was being invited. Because he knew that the only way for Yankel to be friendly with Kamsa is if he's also friendly with his son. You can't be friendly with the father and truly hate the son. So Bar Kamsa figured he was trying to make peace with me. He didn't just... He wasn't trying to make trouble. He truly thought the man was trying to make peace with him. Because you cannot love someone and hate but, you know, something that means so much to them. And the same thing here. If you really love Hashem, then you can't also love things that are against Hashem. It's, it's impossible. And if you love Hashem and love things that are against Hashem, then you don't really love Hashem. It's, a, it's not a true love. Any questions? No. Gersh, Yes.
3: So the, the purely righteous man has, his divine soul has completely vanquished his animalistic soul. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So my question is, did this happen because of what you, what you just explained? Because he hated the physical pleasures so much because it was against Hashem? shame? Mm-hmm. Or... Or did he, or had he, al- had he already succeeded in vanquishing his uh, animalistic soul, and it, 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 maybe he didn't hate the animalistic soul, but he has no use for it, because it, it's almost, it's non-existent in him anymore.
0: Good question. So how does the
3: which came first,
0: right? How does the complete tzaddik, the tzaddik amr, how does he go ahead and transform the evil. And the, the main idea is to know that it's a two-step process. Firstly, he has this tremendous love. And the love transforms the evil. That's what we learned in Chapter 9. But what we're saying right now is that so long as you don't hate the evil, and I, again, I know it's a strong word, but this is kind of a reality check. If you don't hate it, that you don't truly love Hashem. So when we learn in chapter 9 that when you truly love Hashem, you'll transform the evil, well, we're talking about a love that is so great that anything against Hashem you can't connect with. You can't stand in its presence.
3: The hate is kind of like a fence, right? I mean, you, you, you have to hate to, to not allow...
0: No, no. It's a, it's not offense. To, to what is wrong is it possible is it possible in your mind for a man to love his spouse and love someone who hates her? No. Why not?
3: Because the, 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 the no. two just can't. Why? Exist. Because the, the the man loves his spouse and he would not be truly loving his spouse if he loved someone who why well it's just wrong <laughs> it's wrong
0: could anyone explain to me why you can't love your spouse and love someone who hates them
3: it's diametrically opposed ah
0: yeah. oh, what does that mean it's diametrically opposed explain explain that
3: <coughs> love is the opposite of hate and uh, I guess as an analogy, the the higher love that you attain through the awareness of how awesome God is, somehow enables your animal soul to cleave to your godly soul, and that transformation takes place. No, no, right. But I want to go
0: back to the analogy of the spouse for a second. So in simple terms, why can't you love your spouse and love someone who hates her? Because
2: they're opposite.
0: What what does that mean they're opposite?
2: Because then you would, if you love the person that hated her, then then you would hate part of her. What part would you hate? Whatever hates her. The person that it values, hates her.
0: But let's say the person who hates her just hates her just because, for no reason, meaning there's nothing wrong with her. He just hates her.
3: It's also betrayal to her.
0: Are you validating that hatred? No. You know, there's a random person that just hates her for no reason. So why can't you love that person also?
3: This, this has nothing to do with stuff. I'm best
2: friend with a Jew. She's a real estate agent. She owns 15 homes in Lake Oswego, and she has a Jewish friend that came from Hawaii, and she said she did something to me, and I told her to get lost. But I'm friends with her, and I'm friends with her. Are you saying...
0: To love means to want to connect. Love is a connection. And it's impossible to connect fully with someone, and then connect with someone who's trying to break that connection.
2: What if they're not trying to break that connection? No.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: If, if, if your example there, if they just hate them just because, Yes. then in that example, I don't know that that's actually reality that you couldn't not actually like that person that still hates your spouse. Because if it's, it's a, likely, a reason but... like that of just, I hate because I hate, with no real reason Then there's no reason not to still have a friendship Maybe with that
0: person Okay, and, and, and you know what? I appreciate that point So the analogy is not 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 it's not fully correct uh, The correct analogy would be someone who wants to Basically, let's say, hurt your spouse
2: Right
0: you know, That would make just
2: sense That's right. different, yeah. right, right. different. It
0: will yeah. be, be a lot stronger So if you love Hashem It's impossible to love something That is completely against Hashem It wants to go against Hashem and so Coming back to our conversation as l- So long as You do not hate evil Which is completely against Hashem It's a proof That you don't have the ultimate love of Hashem And so long as you don't have the ultimate love of Hashem That means li- evil still lingers inside of you So it's two steps again and, But it goes backwards How do we know that there's no evil? So we have to start from the top Do you hate evil? If yes, in other words, if you want to have no connection to evil, then that would probably pull you at a complete satik. Because if you want to have nothing to do with it, that means it probably doesn't even, ex- it can't exist within you. And then, you have transformed it. But as long as you, you haven't come to hate it, so that means your love is not so strong and it still exists within you.
1: The problem I have is, like, with the definition of evil. Yeah. So if you if take an example, like, here's somebody, and he has a, a nice pizza here. Yeah. And here's a stale crust of bread. Yeah. So you're saying the complete sonic, he really has a stale crust of bread, because he thinks the, the pizza is evil. And, and I, I, I can't see that. I mean, I, I mean, if you're going to define that as evil, then, well, you know, it makes the word evil meaningless, doesn't it?
0: So why do you feel that a good piece of pizza is evil? I don't. No, okay. oh, no no! Why do you feel that? That's what I'm saying.
1: Oh, be, to be, relate to physical pleasure. Because he says he 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 Yeah, he says he despises uh, the pleasures of the world or something. But, yeah, he despises the pleasures of the world. Continue
0: reading. It's, it's not
1: no, like no, that's no enjoyment, and then he actually despises it. it
0: but what does he despise?
1: Well, he, he's Like gratifying his physical appetites Of
0: merrily gratifying, correct If, his, if all he's going to do Is gratify his, his Physical appetites yeah. Instead of seeking the service of God So if, if Someone feels that Having this piece of pizza Is going to give him proper strength mm-hmm. And allow him to serve Hashem That wouldn't fall under the category of merrily in, uh, Gratifying the physical appetites that tzaddik is someone who to just indulge in the world, he hates that. He cannot he
2: eat the whole pie. He would just have the one piece that he
0: needs. He, he would have what he needs. He would have what he's going to benefit from to serve Hashem.
1: Also washing,
2: so so, so
0: pizza is not evil. Not only is pizza not evil, but when you come to heaven, one of the questions they ask you is, did you, did you abstain from this world or did you connect with it? Abstaining is not a good thing. Yeah, that's... We need to be able to use out the world. And an, another example would be, it says in Pirkei Avos, et, Avos Ethics of, the, of Our Fathers, that to learn Torah, you pass the Malach Tocha, you should eat bread and salt. It doesn't mean that you should eat dry bread and salt, it means you should be willing to even eat bread and salt if that's all you could afford. But if you could afford more, fantastic. So going back here, the tzaddik is not coming and saying, "If anything tastes good, get it out." I only want to have the worst bread, and I only want to sleep. That's not. That's not a tzaddik. A tzaddik is saying, "I want to be able to have what I need, as long as it's part of the ultimate plan, which is to connect with Hashem and create a dwelling place for it.
1: So, if you watched and said the chumotzi before, that would
0: so well. That would, as that would validate the gratification. There's a lot. A lot of people that and and. Say hamotzi, and yet they're still eating it to gratify themselves. Even a the matter of e-
2: having indulging too much versus just having what you need. I so thought it would just eat what no, they need versus
1: Yeah, you indulging.
0: don't. You're not. you are not you do not being a glutton. That's right. A part. Did I answer
1: your question, Dr. Yeah. Joseph? So pizza's good. Yeah. Yes, I see. properly. But, but I, I'm trying to reconcile it with, with what
0: he's. So do you mind reading, please, for us? From that is to say, three lines from the bottom of page 40, right column. Read about six lines, please. Um,
1: page 40.
0: Page 40, right column, third to last line. Be on, in
1: English, is it on 39 or 41? 41. Yeah, 40. Well, 40 so in
0: Hebrew in oh, okay, so in your, in your, in your uh, copy, can I see yours for yeah. a second?
1: He's he's on, he's he's
0: on this right here, that is to say yeah. oh. in, in that copy it's 39 um,
1: oh, That is to say he utterly despises the pleasures of this world finding no enjoyment in human pleasures of merely gratifying physical appetites instead of seeking the service of God
0: so, could you summarize what you just said?
1: Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he, he says, should not um, merely gratify physical appetites, but you should seek to do the, the will of Hashem.
0: Of merely gratifying the physical appetites. So what does a tzaddik hate? Are we saying he hates pizza? Or he hates eating the pizza just to enjoy the pizza without any other purpose? Right. Um, you yeah, so, yes. so would that clarify?
3: Isn't that, all, isn't that almost like, I, I don't remember, it's in Pirkei, I heard a rabbi talk about this. The, the, the part where they talk about, if you're eating a meal and Torah isn't it discussed, it's as though your terrible things are happening. So, a gathering where words of Torah are not exchanged. Right. So, so you're you're so. Isn't that the concept of converting something that's evil to good?
0: There's no evil. Eating is not evil. Well, I think that's Dr. Yosef's point. We're not at all saying evil is. I was trying to make earlier about
1: tram- performing mitzvot to, or to right. help you yeah. connect. To he
2: doesn't like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
3: you for that I'm not, I'm not, even, <laughs> gonna, I'm not even gonna comment yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: eating evil, is you. not evil
3: but eating for the sake
0: eating of... for the sake of physical pleasure to a soak is evil
3: but, but that's
2: they wouldn't just have a piece of chocolate just to have a piece of chocolate right. Unless that chocolate was to be able oh. to stay up to study Torah, oh. to have a
0: purpose. If someone take each so chocolate, <laughs> let's say someone had a bad day and they want to relax in order to calm down and be able to continue their day appropriately, that wouldn't be evil either. That, that's called doing it with a purpose. Hopefully the purpose would be to relax and then be able to do something appropriate. So, I think this is just along the same lines. Again, human doing your, what a human needs even if it's something that you can enjoy it, it, we're not saying is bad we're saying if you do it just enjoy it it's not the case so let's put it together and then we'll take a and then we'll wrap it up and take some questions so we discussed that there is a fight of the two souls the godly soul and the animalistic soul and so long as a as the evil is not active, this is the key word here, so long as the evil is not active you're a tzaddik, the evil could still exist. But as long as it's not active you're a tzaddik. If it exists you're an incomplete tzaddik. If it's non-existent you're a complete tzaddik. And the only way to know whether you're a complete or incomplete tzaddik is by seeing if you hate evil. If you what? If you hate evil. By saying, how strong is your hate? In other words, how can you measure your love for Hashem by your feelings for evil? Because so long as you don't hate evil, you don't have the ultimate love for Hashem. The second that you say, I can't have any connection to anything against Hashem, well, you, that means you've come to that ultimate connection. And anything that is going to stop that connection is, is treif, is non-kosher. You, you'll have nothing to do with it. And with this knowledge, let's just read three more lines. The incompletely righteous is he who does not hate... On page 42, beginning of the second paragraph on the left column, the incompletely righteous is he who does not hate the Sitra Akhara with an absolute hatred. Therefore, he does not also absolutely abhor evil. So long as you don't completely hate it, you're not completely separated from it. We'll continue with this idea of the incomplete tzaddik next week we'll, and additionally what we're going to accomplish next week is we're going to start talking about the complete tzaddik we're going to say how there's very few in each generation we'll recognize who they are and uh, we're going to share a fascinating story of the Rashbi Yochai, and how he told his closest disciple not to come close to him after he had died the Rashbi said if, the Rashbi said, told us one of his closest disciples he said if, if you're not on my level can't enter my chamber. Hmm. Are there any any questions? Yes, Gershon.
3: So, an incomplete tzaddik is that the same as a bainani? Absolutely not. The bainani. That's actually my question. Yeah,
0: and this is going. No, no, it's a good question. The baini we're going to learn about it in two more chapters is someone who evil is active, but he pushes it down immediately. Which means, for example... He
1: manages it as opposed to it being non-existent. That's
0: right. The bainani, an evil thought, will come to his mind and he will will in a moment, though, he won't allow it to remain there. The wicked man is someone who a wicked thought will come. He'll dwell on it. The intermediary is someone who the wicked thought will come and he won't even allow himself to dwell on it. The righteous man is someone who the wicked thought doesn't even come.
1: If somebody um, uh, doesn't talk evil, he doesn't think evil, he doesn't act evil, Yeah. Evil. Um, who are we to say that there's a piece of evil still left in him? I mean,
0: so you're asking how do we have the chutzpah too, or are you saying like how could we know if there's any evil within him?
1: What would make you think there's any evil within
0: him? Well, that's what we learned here that the only way that the, we know there's no evil is if he really hates it. Because so long as he doesn't hate it, that means it's still, it, that some still exists within him. And that's not a bad thing. <coughs> I, I mean, we should all wish that we could accomplish that level. The, This is a very high task, Mm -hmm. and this is not our task. The Sefer of Tanya, if you look at the front page, actually not, if you look at the cover page of Tanya written by Rup Shneir Zalman, it's on page XVII, you'll see Rup Shneir Zalman called his Sefer, the Sefer Shalveinenin, the Book of the Intermediate. This was written for the intermediate person. That's what we shall strive to be. We're not here to try and be tzaddikim, to try and be righteous men. That's not what Hashem wants from
3: us. You asked a question uh, earlier. You said, who is this person, if you have the divine soul here? Yeah. And, and, yeah. So, who is the person that Wait, And then you said something about the sechliuz. Yeah, nefesh so, ha So is it the divine soul that wages the war? Is it the animal soul that wages the war? Or is this, this is the Sekhliyut this person who is this medium?
0: The person
3: Or is it next week's discussion? No, no.
0: The person is the Nefesh the intellectual is his intellectual okay, so soul. the person is the
3: Nefesh And
0: the question is who is going who is going to be connecting with him? Will he be connecting with the godly soul or the animalistic soul?
3: So he actually has the most power to decide which, which way to go?
0: Does he have? He has the most power to connect with. the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful night. Thank
1: you.